1: You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. So it's just a few days away from Halloween, and even our furry friends like to get into the spirit. So we have some tips to keep your pets safe during Fright Night. Also, our guest today, a true friend of the program, Nicole Smith, the Special Events Coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We'll learn about their Park After Dark event happening this weekend and some of the other events coming up at the museum. And as always, Dr. Major is on hand, ready to take your pet questions. So if you'd like to join the conversation, just give us a phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 672 Seven four six four. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. And if you miss your Creature Comforts broadcast on Thursday, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So, good morning. Libby, uh, let's uh, start with you. What have you been noticing in your yard out and about uh, this time of year?
2: Well, this is, what can we call this, end of summer, or sort of the end of summer, I've heard people say, or... um kind of fallish weather compared to a a lot of the country. But I've been um, watching invertebrates. Our spiders, you know, we've talked about spiders a lot um, uh, the last couple of weeks, I think. And um, I went outside to see how my uh, yellow garden spider, the Argy was doing. She's right by um, the room that I use a lot. And so uh, she, this morning, instead of being all spread out, you know, big and glorious with all those legs out, she was like this. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's just how I woke up, I think, this morning. All <laughs> oh, oh, for the listening on it, she was all curled up in a little ball, no legs extending at all, freezing there. And there was a third egg case. Mm. So she's really a healthy, big girl, and she's in a great place to catch insects, because she's by a a light. She she keeps her web up, I think, all night. You know, mostly those spiders will eat their web and then re-spin it in the mornings, but I don't ever catch her without the web, and I think it's because she's by a porch light, and... They're smart enough to know those kinds of things, so she's always full of... So anyway, that's going on. The spiders are laying their egg cases, and um, kind of, I guess in a way, nature has had them kind of plan their own demise. So they they set things up for the babies, and they move on along. Uh, walking sticks do the same thing, you know, those big old... A lot of people tell me oh, I don't ever see those as an adult, but yes, because when we were kids we could find them. But they have some winter strategies too. They lay their little eggs that look like BBs, shiny little BBs in the dirt, and um, they, um, they get ready to pass on to the next generation. So usually, this is the time of year where if you find one you can find a great big one, the great big females. They're laying their eggs. Yeah. Libby, it's
0: funny you say that because um, we actually got an email recently about a, a, a walking stick sighting mm-hmm. And Kevin, Kevin oh. has that.
1: Yeah, this uh, says about a month ago, so this was in September, early in the morning, got in my car, started it and checked the rear view mirror when I backed up. Wow, this is what I saw in the mirror, a large walking stick. Stolic got out, took the photo, and then gently moved it off the mirror. The width of the glass of the mirror at the widest part was seven and a half inches. I've seen walking sticks in the past, but never one that big. So thought she would uh, share it from uh, with creature comforts, and that's uh, a listener in Hattiesburg.
3: Oh, well, that- so, so objects
2: in mirror really are larger uh, than you would think so. sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, that was right on cue. I appreciate that collar. and uh, it, I guess if anybody else is seeing anything with their summer. Insects, They might want to let us know. You know, there are, um, we have a couple of butterflies. We may have more. I'm not a great butterfly expert. Richard Brown might be listening to us out there. He can call in. But um, our comma butterflies and mourning cloaks, I know that those two overwinter as adults, which I think is kind of neat. Those fragile little butterflies. And they look for cracks in the bark and all kinds of things. Mourning cloaks are very northern. We're just kind of... The, the warmest place that they're going to occur, and um, I've read about a little bit about them because um, I have always been interested in them. They're uh, a, a just a very different butterfly, and they're one of the first things we see. They're black butterfly, and then the edges of their wings are um, tipped in kind of a golden yellow. As the summer goes on, it'll fade to kind of white, and then they have a little string of blue pearls right by the yellow. So a beautiful butterfly, and Dark like that, they bask in the sun and collect heat because they live in northern climates, and on particularly Scandinavia even. So they're, in fact, they're kind of revered there. Finland protects them, Austria and Germany protect them. So they're, they're animals that they really love. And I imagine in in a more cold climate like that, it's really special to have a butterfly that'll be out even when there's snow on the ground. So they are their most. Um, kind of most southern place. And then uh, I want to mention another butterfly that I have never seen in Mississippi yet, the zebra long wings. And I guess I'm old enough to remember when you could only find them in North America, the tip of Florida and, you know, southern Florida and southern Texas. And They're marching north because uh, we're getting warmer. So I guess the the two are going to meet here, morning cloaks and zebra (laughs) wings. We'll see if they get along. But uh, somebody posted a really good picture of a zebra wing from southern Jones County. So that's what's that close to? So, Hattiesburg yeah. mm-hmm. area, that kind of a thing, which is, um, and I think before they had only been found along the coast, or to my knowledge they had only been found along the coast. So that's something if you're on the coast to start looking for. And the, the zebra long wing, you know how... Uh, um, they're like a horizontal look, so they're long this way. They've got really long, kind of narrow, long wings, and they're uh, beautifully, they're a, a black butterfly, again, with um, a really pretty white stripe, very bold stripe, and Good. So I'm going to be, every time I'm a little bit further south of here looking for them, maybe I'll live to see them come all the way to Jackson area. And Libby, I think
1: you had an event you wanted to talk about, is that right?
2: Oh, let's see. All right, of course, I'm going to let Nicole do all the talking about the event at the Museum of Natural Science. But if you're in the Grenada area, uh, a, f- a friend of this show and of the museum, Robin Whitfield. Uh,
3: we love her. Um, She's awesome. She, yes,
2: she <laughs> does stuff all over the state. She's a, a, a naturalist and a, an artist, and she pretty much runs the Tart Nature Preserve just outside of uh, Grenada, and at the Chachuma Marsh or Swamp.
3: Swamp. Chachuma Swamp.
2: Yes, so she's having events there at the swamp, and I particularly was interested in them because they're outdoor. They're great Halloween events all over the state, but these are such cool outdoor kind of events. They're going to be dealing with bats uh, this coming Friday night, and then Dragon Spirits Enchanted Trails, and... um, uh, freedom ranch wildlife center is going to come over and help her with you can have a crow and a rat and all kinds of halloweeny type things in addition to their regular owls and uh so that'll be happening saturday so if you're in that area uh that's a, a great event that mixes up halloween with being outside too
1: this is creature comforts on mpb think radio uh, good morning, Dr. Major. We have an early pet question on the line for you. So let's say good morning to Charlotte in Hattiesburg. Go ahead, Charlotte. You're on the air.
4: Hi. Um, I have two beautiful large dogs, um, an American Bulldog and a Pit bull Mix. And they have always gotten along wonderfully but recently have started fighting. And um, I'm wondering if their relationship can be salvaged or if they just – don't like each other anymore.
5: How old are they now? Um,
4: One is three years old and the other one just turned one recently.
5: Okay, so you got a three year old and a one year old? That's correct?
4: A three year old
5: and a one year old. Yeah, there's some kind of dominance. Huh? I would think they get along all the time, or they pretty much uh, not like each other now.
1: Hey, Dr. Major, we're having a little trouble hearing you.
5: Okay. Let's see. Maybe that, is that better?
1: Uh, Much better, thanks.
5: Sorry. Uh, Sounds like it may be a dominance issue uh, with the younger dog maybe trying to uh, become the dominant uh, part of that family if you will uh i would seek professional help maybe a trainer would help uh to work this out with you usually with dogs that are in a household together uh food or affection can cause some issues in other words if you're showing more attention to one than the other uh have they both been neutered
4: um, yes, and so the aggression actually started happening after n- the younger one got neutered and then he hurt his paw, so I think he he felt defensive because he was hurt. Right. Yeah. Listen,
5: yeah, it's hard to give you, uh, without seeing the dogs, certainly, uh, I would suggest trying to find a trainer that can help you with that. I believe that the relationship can be salvaged, uh, with some work, okay? Good luck to you.
4: Okay. Thank right. you very much.
1: Thanks for your call, Charlotte. Let's uh, get one more call in before our first break. Our friend Sue down in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. You're on the air.
6: Hey, I wanted I want to ask you to be something. Okay. Hey, Sue. I wasn't going to call today, but it, my daughter came the other day, and a, one of those walking sticks jumped on her off the screen door and it scared her to death. I haven't seen one in a long time, so she she slapped it off of her, but she didn't want to kill it. She just picked it up off the off the ground there and off the carport and put it out on, on the grass. So I thought that was nice of her because it scared her to death.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what I've always tell people. It doesn't matter how much you like an animal. You don't really want to be frightened by it. You don't want to be surprised that quickly. And I want to
6: ask you something about spiders. Okay. You hit on two things I read. Okay, the other day I opened the back door about two weeks ago and there was this tarantula-looking black spider right there in the door. And I killed him because, you know. But anyway, this spider, I've never seen a totally black, downsized-looking tarantula spider out in the wild like that. And then uh, last night, the lights went off, and I, put, I turned on a lamp, and there were two, black, two of those black spiders, smaller ones, up on the ceiling. What kind of spiders are those? I've never, I've never seen a spider like that before, totally black. But they've got those tarantula-looking legs and everything.
2: Okay, and is he kind of hairy-looking and kind of stocky body? Probably Mm -hmm. was a wolf spider, and there are several types of wolf spiders, but that's probably what he was. They're really good hunters, as you might get from their name. And as the bugs come indoors, though their predators will come indoors too. So, in fact, Jason Klein and I were just talking. This is the time of year when wildlife sometimes wants to come in with us they you know they sense the warmth of our house and if they can get in they will so that might be what attracted your wolf spider if he was chasing some little insects that were, were coming in the house then He's gonna certainly come in to find them.
6: Will, will they bite a human? I mean, are they are they dangerous or anything? He,
2: they are not dangerous, and they certainly don't want to bite. They you. look dangerous. Yeah, they they are. Yeah, and they do have a bite that is pretty dangerous if you're a half grown cockroach, you know. <laughs> so, um, and if you picked him up and tried to enclose him in your hand, he might bite you. So, you you know, I would say if you want to move him outside, scoop him up on two pieces of paper, you know, and walk him to the door. And a cup. A cup and a
3: paper. (laughs) That'll get you there.
2: Yeah, that'll work (laughs) just fine. A jar, whatever you've got, your drinking glass. But uh, they, no, they're basically, they're a good spider, I think, because they're going to eat, um, you know the cockroaches that come in. If, he, if you find him in the corner over there, I like to think, well, okay, you just finished off one of those little cockroaches that was <laughs> over there earlier. So, it's um, I, I can't say any spiders are really bad because they they eat things that we usually don't want around.
6: So remote- I, I I usually don't bother. Little critters like that. I mean, you have spiders and things, but I've never seen one that looks so much like a tarantula.
2: <laughs> yep, that's got to be him, then, a wolf spider, I would imagine. Now, well, they, do much. they
3: have a webbing? I can't remember if a wolf spider has a web or not. I thought they didn't, but it's been a while since I've thought about I, them. I
2: think they can make a little bit of a sketchy kind of web. But, but not, on the ground, like it's not like... not. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're not, you're never going to find them up in a corner with a pretty... Web, not like yeah. the
3: orb weavers no, there's not so like many types of webs there's cobwebs and tangle webs and you know mm-hmm. you know trap door I mean there's like
2: it's kind of fun but just yeah, to study types of and webs. Those funnel webs, you know, that's yeah. very Halloweeny. Some people the, have posted those the already. The bowl this and doily
3: week. webs, those are fun. We mm-hmm. we always think of them like when we're children we see that picture of the orb web and that's our memory of a web, but really it's so much more complicated than that. Like Dr. Brent Hendrickson has come to the museum before and done guided spider hikes and we have way too much fun, especially if you're like 5 years old and you're at that eye level where you can see everything and they find webs that like I only dream of finding because I'm way too tall for all of that <laughs> and it's just amazing to see what they come up with and I just love that
2: you know there are a lot of spiders that are ground level yeah there really are they, because <laughs> they 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 uh, the funnels and the trap doors and all those cool things are on the ground because they're getting ants a lot of them
3: yeah
1: all right, Sue, thanks for your call. Always good to hear from you. And it it's time for our first break of the hour. When we turn, we'll have Nicole Smith, Special Events Coordinator from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, join us to give details about their upcoming Park After Dark event. Dr. Major will be here throughout the hour ready for your pet questions. And Libby always likes to hear about your brushes with wildlife. Call in with your questions and comments. The number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, co-host of Money Talks. Each
6: week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Podcasts can be found on our website or on your smart devices podcasting platform.
1: We're back on Creature Comforts. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and today we're uh, visiting with Nicole Smith from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. If you want to join the conversation with your question or comment, the phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Got a couple callers holding, but let's uh, take a few minutes to visit with Nicole. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good to have you back on the show, Nicole.
3: It's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. So Park After Dark, uh, what and where is Park After Dark?
3: Woo-woo. Park after dark. <laughs> so uh this is an event that we've done with the children's museum. So the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science and the Mississippi Children's Museum team up and together we go in for Halloween. And so this year it's gonna be this Friday and it's from five thirty PM until eight thirty PM. You can buy tickets through the muse the Children's Museum's website, just Google them and you'll get right to that site. And it's one ticket, both museums for the night. And it's a capped attendance to help with COVID safety. So that way, only so many people here between the two museums, that helps a great deal. And we kind of celebrate all things spooky fun for Halloween. And since we're the Science Museum, we kind of lean on the science side of it. Bats, we got gotcha. you. Spiders, we're your buddy. I mean... We own Halloween. Here are we kidding? We got this, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but this year we decided to do something really different. And at our museum, we're going all in on a Wizard of Oz inspired theme. Uh, we have the Wild Weather exhibit, and um, weather's a great natural science topic to learn about. So we thought, what is wild weather at Halloween? Clearly, it's Dorothy going to Kansas, from Kansas to Oz. So we've got a Wizard of Oz feeling. And uh, so we will have—what creatures are we going to have? Well, we've got flying monkeys. <laughs> I mean, straight up, we got some flying monkeys that we constructed, and we'll do air cannons to learn about air pressure. We've um, got Oz CSI, so we'll have a crime scene investigation of who killed the Wicked Witch. There's a blurry photo of the perpetrators and fingerprints that you're going to have to use to identify, and it's going to be a whole fun thing. So we've really kind of had way too much fun putting this together, and— um, Uh, You'll love it. I mean, it's totally worth your time (laughs) to come out for that. But get your tickets in advance because it is an advance-only sort of situation. And uh, Children's Museum's got fun stuff. They have like, um, I think they have a little costume contest that they run. And then uh, ours is like multiple stations. A lot of it outside, or at least a certain portion of it outside. Glinda the Good Witch is making bubbles, of course, because she travels by bubbles. So we'll be doing that. And then we also have, um, we do it differently, our Dorothy, instead of having a dog Toto, we have an opossum Toto, because <laughs> that's how we roll, and uh, and the horse of a different color, we have a skunk of a different color, we have a raccoon of a different color, we're, we're doing some color experiments on our albino specimens, which is going to be kind of fun, <laughs> uh, activities with prisms, I mean... You just got to see it to experience it. Like, if you look at our Facebook page, you're going to see some of the photos of what this is starting to look like. So it's really fun.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, we'll be visiting with Nicole throughout the hour. We do have a couple callers to get to, though. So let's uh, first go back to the phones. Off to Carrollton we go. Fletch is on the line. Good morning, Fletch. Go ahead.
0: Good morning. Uh, I got a couple of, uh, as Libby said, uh, invertebrate encounters. I saw a brown praying mantis for the
1: first time ever, I think, about a week ago. I don't ever <clears throat> seen a green one.
2: Yeah, I've, I have seen, you know, and I should know why. I'll have to do some reading. I'm not sure, but every now and then you do get a brown instead of a green one.
0: I figured it was just matching the foliage.
2: Yeah, um, it could be an end-of-life end kind of thing too. Okay. Well, my other encounter was not so pleasant. I was cleaning my in-laws'
0: gutters and uh, I got a, a a a bite, a sting. I, it felt like a, a like a fire ant, uh, but up that high, I didn't see any ants. Um, I did see an old wasp cold, but um, never saw a wasp. Uh, and it swollen up a lot more than, than normal. It's been uh, five days. And uh, I'm starting to get a little head. Could
2: it have been a spider? Well, okay. I guess the the worst kind of spider bite you can get is a brown recluse, but you don't feel them at all when they bite That's you. What I thought. So you do feel a a a, um, a black widow, but you usually have stomach distress with that. You usually throw up, or a lot of people do, and have fever. So I really wonder still if it's not a, a wasp or a fire ant.
3: And, and it may be important to note, too, that when you look at the affected area, if you're really uncertain of what bit you, it's probably good to get checked out by a doctor anyway because staph infections can accompany bites, you know. Um, you know and that staph is very, very common. You know, it's not that it's just specific to the animal. It's just general in the world. And so uh, a bite... Would definitely warrant being visited by your doctor.
2: Yeah, a bite or a sting if it was that is yep, that's always possible that there's an infection. Is it real red around the area? The swollen. It, part? Was,
0: it was about the size of the palm of your hand, the area that was swollen. Um it's not super red, but, but almost like a pimple there is now a red area with a black center.
2: Oh. Yeah, you might go in. They're going to ask you if it's a recluse, but if you felt it sting or bite at the time, that's not what it is. Yeah. Uh,
0: I definitely felt it, but I never saw the (laughs) perpetrator.
2: Yeah. Oh, that is a mystery. And um, be really careful going back up there. I know oh, that, that fire okay. ants will go anywhere where you've got a, a mass of moist leaves and things, which would be a gutter, too.
0: I've definitely seen plenty of ants in gutters. I just didn't see it this time. Yeah, it didn't
2: last time. I'm sorry that got you. Uh,
3: yeah, they like elevated areas, too, looser soils they seem to prefer. Yeah. All
1: right, uh, Fletch, thanks for the call. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Fletch. Recommend yeah. uh, getting that checked out so that, that that does sound like a rather large area of uh of the injury there so uh, hope 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 all works out well
2: and i'll add one more event but it's it's down now I still can't wear my rings you know i had the wasps and the fire ants as of last week and monday i managed to step on a yellow jacket and so i got on my ankle and my hand it's just kind of a weird thing i don't know i made the mistake of saying that I'd had, because I've got chiggers, I've had mosquito bites, the wasps, the fire ants, so I said, okay, I'm done now. And then I got the yellow jacket, That's so there could be something else heart. out there for me. But this day. hand particularly swole up, and I got my rings off in time, so. But uh, Kathleen, what it's, you I don't, Do you we, I don't know family. what's happening out there. <laughs> Everybody's, everything was a little mad at me at the end of summer. <laughs>
1: So uh, we're visiting uh, On Creature Comforts with Nicole Smith from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We've been talking a little bit about their Park After Dark event that's coming up this Friday from 530 to 830. It's in conjunction with the Mississippi Children's Museum. And, Nicole, what I love about when you come in and tell us about the events and is that it's not just fun, but it's also something where you can teach kids about science and that sort of thing. If you could maybe give us a little insight as to how you go about trying to get something that's A, fun, and B, educational.
3: Um, My normal litmus test is if my inner uh, (laughs) 12-year-old is giggling and just enjoying the process of building these things too much, then I know I've got a winner. (laughs) So uh, right now, when we started talking about a Wizard of Oz theme, I, I thought, man, I really want to do some sort of weather education, but I want it to feel like a Halloween carnival. What do I do? And it hit me, flying monkeys. <laughs> I need flying monkeys, and I need to build an air cannon. And um, and I actually have built air cannons before, and it's great because air can exert pressure. And so it comes across as a game where you're trying to move these uh, little dangling flying monkey things that we put around the ceilings. But as you, like, move it and kind of... Um, alter the position of the of the cannons you can really make that thing kick and it's hilarious and the kids don't expect it and when you get to them you can like blow them in the face with that thing and they (laughs) like they kind of look shocked you know i'm like ha ha air has force and pressure is it kind of
2: one of those things like you use in a swimming
3: pool uh sort of but we we built them out of uh old 10 gallon pickle barrels but we I know it's a thing, and uh, and and Karen is like remarkably talented, and uh-huh. so she went the next level and made them look like actual cannons. She like built bases for them with like rolling wheels and every. It's crazy. It's
2: okay, just, I'm coming by today. Yeah, the show.
3: it's it's pretty cool, and uh, and then of course, I've always as a child I was fascinated by the horse of a different color in Oz, and I said, oh man, colors! This is an opportunity to learn about prisms. How are we going to do that? And then we started looking at our inventory, like, well, we have this albino raccoon, and we have this taxidermed albino, you know, skunk. And that's a good blank platform to project things on. So we do doing some fun color projections there. But we said, well, let's go to the next level. Let's make it interactive. So we've kind of constructed a, a pinhole viewer that utilizes prisms, uh, and And so you start playing with how the light is going to be divided, and of course there 's the rainbows in Oz somewhere over the rainbow, so we have this like little moment of Roy G Biv <laughs> using prisms and utilizing the um, the specimens that we have, not just to talk about what they are but also to talk about properties of light, which is you know a little bit of physics, but a little bit of natural science too so Yeah, you're going to learn something, but you're also going to have fun doing it. And then just for the giggle of it, we have, like, straight up uh, a carnival game where we've constructed a tree from the Wicked Trees in Oz. And you throw the apples through the little carnival game, but the tree might throw some apples back at you (laughs) because that's how it is in Oz. So having fun.
1: All right. (laughs) It's uh, time for another break. When we turn, we'll continue talking with our guest, Nicole Smith, Special Events Coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. If you visited the museum recently and you want to call in and share your story, we'd love to hear from you. Also, we're here for your pet questions and any other comments or questions that you have for us today. The number to call, 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more
0: after this.
1: Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and Nicole Smith, special events coordinator at the Museum of Natural Science. It's Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you miss any of today's show, you can always subscribe to our podcast using your favorite podcasting app, or you can download the MPB Public Media app. To join the conversation, it's a phone call, 1-877-MPB-RING, one 672 7464, email animals at mpbonline.org. Had some callers holding on for us a little while. Let's return again to the phones. John's in Jackson. Good morning, John.
7: Hello there. I'd like to address this to the lady who saw a tarantuloid spider and a walking stick on her screen. Yes. I'll bet she had the privilege of seeing one of our trapdoor spiders. These belong to the same general group as a the tarantulas They're, they're black their legs are uh, thicker and shorter than the wolf spiders, and the males come out and wander about, amorously looking for females. Uh, what they do for a living is actually make little hinged lids over pits in the soil, and lie and wait for insects that fall in. Hmm. Uh, they they turn up on, on screens looking very tarantially and very dark. I'll bet she saw one of them. And, uh, As far as the walking stick is concerned, that one uh, species of walking stick in the area is one of the the very few insect visitors you have to be very careful with. We have two types of walking sticks here. We have a long, skinny one, which is more like a walking twig. We have a thick, heavy-bodied one, uh, which may mate for days, and you often encounter a larger female with a smaller... uh, male in cocoa. At uh, if you get behind one of these creatures, like many essentially harmless animals, they can squirt a very irritating chemical stream right into your face, and it can uh, blind you temporarily. So uh, be very careful about uh, short, fat, amorous-looking walking sticks.
1: All right, John, thanks uh, for the call. Good to hear from you this morning. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, we're off to Kosciuszko. TJ is on the line. Good morning, TJ. You're on the air with us.
8: Yeah, good morning. Love your show. Thank you. I wonder if any of your people have heard of a bug called a a cow killer. We have them up here in central Mississippi. I got them in my barnyard, and it's a a flightless wasp.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Let me tell us about it.
2: Yeah, some people call it a velvet ant. That's, yep. that's what I was taught as a child or a cow killer. And um, <clears throat> there are red ones and there are black ones and there may be other colors. I, and I don't know a lot about them, but they are really interesting. And I did pick one up and get bitten by it or stung by it as a child.
3: It's part of your collection oh, of no surprise. things that yes. you've been working on yes. for a while yeah, now. for a long time.
2: <laughs> but, yeah. Um, all right, what, what color was the one you saw?
8: Red, and the old timers tell me that they call them cow killers because it'll sting a cow and drop him to his knees.
2: you know I wonder if that's true if anybody knows if that's a, a true story, but they it really does hurt it really hurts a lot when they get you, but um it's pretty big, and yeah, it's best to just stay away from them don't try to yeah. don't try to collect it or put it in your jar is what I would say right. Yeah.
8: Yeah, I've got them in my barnyard, and I'm scared to uh, lay down in the gravel out there and work on something. I don't want them to sting me. <laughs>
2: oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you s- kind of scuff up the area before you lay down and look over okay. it a little bit. Yeah,
3: they're such yeah. beautiful insects. You know, now, I,
2: they are gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. When I was yeah. a
3: child and saw one for the first time, I I really thought, well, that's a fancy ant. You know, yep. uh,
8: yeah, and they
3: kind of look like a fancy ant, but uh, but they're more like yeah. a, a relative of an ant. They are yeah. a wasp,
2: so. and the name velvet is good because they they are beautiful and velvety, and that's why I think children do want to pick them up because mm-hmm. they're they're not to me they were not ominous looking at all. They're pretty big, <clears throat> and they're, that's right. Yeah.
3: I'm going to need a local artist to make some jewelry that looks like that, because it's pretty awesome yeah. looking.
2: It's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know about seeing
8: one. Yeah, I'll get my sister to make you one. She's a, she's a jewelry maker.
2: Oh, I right. like it. It sounds good. good. You've probably got some cool <laughs> spiders in the same barn.
8: Yeah. You know, I never had them in my barnyard till I brought my donkeys in, and I guess they like to fertilize or something. I don't know.
2: Oh, and that's there they a they Yeah.
8: It's,
1: All right, uh, TJ, good to hear from you. Thanks for calling in this morning. Uh, This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Our guest is Nicole Smith, Special Events Coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We've been talking about Park After Dark, their big uh, Halloween-related celebration with the Mississippi Children's Museum that's this Friday from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Nicole, you wanted to talk about safety measures put in place.
3: Absolutely. So so first of all, we did set a a general... Uh, only a set number of tickets available, and you, you buy that online just to help with safety because that helps with social distancing. You know, if you're crowded in, you can't social distance so much, so this helps a little bit. Uh, another nice thing is uh, they have been working on that new playground. Now it's not done, but they have uh, really worked on that sidewalk, and so they have, uh, there's going to be a light, it's one big light. Uh, that lights up that pathway so people can walk easily from the children's museum to ours and that's you know a little bit more convenient open air a little it's a very short distance you can walk from one museum to the next there will be a, a shuttle bus for those that need it and there um, and there is a mask requirement on a bus that's a federal thing so you have to wear a mask on the bus masks are strongly recommended in the facilities and we have put several activities outside so we uh keep each other safe by kind of doing all these things together uh so just kind of keep that in mind we are really trying but it it comes down to us as a community how we respond and it's going to be a beautiful night uh we're trying uh to add things and move things and place things in a way that makes it a, a responsible evening of fun And uh, we hope that you will get your tickets and come on out.
1: All right. Uh, So, Libby, you know, this morning I had to go into my drawer and pull out my sweatshirt. Things are getting cooler, and that's the way we kind of deal with it. Uh, But what about uh, some of the animals around Mississippi? How do they react to this cooler weather?
2: I think think most of our mammals really like it. Probably all of our mammals really like it. Um, Some of the pests that have plagued them, you know, mosquitoes drive... Mammals nuts too, so it's that's a good thing. Flies, things like that, so they they have less of that to worry with. Speaking they, as a mammal, I am very, very <laughs> glad for the lack of uh, mosquitoes. Definitely, yeah. Yes, they're uh, you know they can they uh, walking around in fur coats, so it's it's pretty good for them. Uh, some of the birds tend to like cool weather, I think, but you know so many have gone south now. We have a lot of our birds they started migrating a couple months ago so they've gone south if they don't care for winter weather oh gosh let's see we're gonna we'll be getting all of our little winter birds back like the kinglets I haven't seen a kinglet yet somebody call if they've seen uh, ruby crowned or golden crowned kinglets because they, they should be here. That's, I haven't
3: seen any yet. I need uh, to start. Um, and I need to,
2: you've got to really listen to get that little high, wispy little sound. They tend to be in the tops of trees and make a real high-pitched, uh, you know, pretty little whistly sound. And um, let's see, all right, what else? Well, the, we've talked about the, the fact that the insects are reptiles. They're not so much into cold weather. They're pretty much adapted to bask in the sun. Mm-hmm. So when you're going to see them now is on a nice sunny day, which we have all through winter in the south. So you you could see snakes and turtles and alligators any time that the sun is out shining. And, you know, they'll tend to be on a a, a dark spot, a, a, you know, a rock that's heating up in the sun, something like that, to find them. But basically, probably... Last night, they they were looking for a burrow somewhere good to get. And uh, alligators, we need to get Ricky Flint to come on and talk a little more about alligators for us. And uh, they're going to try to find a mud bank to dig back into. Our amphibians like cool weather. You know, the frogs are going to be so active in the spring. They're, surprisingly to a lot of people, they're not like reptiles in that respect because they've got that dry, they've got that um, moist skin that needs to stay moist, and a lot of their air oxygen exchanges through their skin. So they want to be in a moist, kind of cool environment. So they'll, they're doing okay right now when it gets too cold they'll start burrowing into into the mud too
1: all right time for our last break for the hour when we get back we'll continue visiting with our guest uh, nicole smith from the mississippi museum of natural science our friend kathleen is on the line we'll get to her phone call as well still time for you to call in if you have a question or a comment the phone number is 1877 mpb ring it's 1877 672 You can always email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more after this.
0: On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get
3: information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred
1: podcasting app. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Nicole Smith from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, We've got a caller on the line, and as I mentioned, Kathleen has held on for us. So good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
4: Well, I had to say kudos to Nicole and the staff. That's this little thing that they're putting on. We need a smile, a laugh, a giggle, maybe a screech every now and then to kind of break things up. I'm going to give you a tip, uh, two tips really. That one, what I did when I was, my daughter was little, we made like a cardboard tunnel and we blindfolded the kids and we had a guy dressed up like a guard and we said, don't worry, the spooks won't get you. He's there to protect you so they wouldn't get scared. But we had a tray, uh, an old refrigerator drawer, and we filled it up with tomato sauce and some stewed tomatoes and put grapes in it. We told them we saved the mummy's eyes for them to touch. And then when we walked a little further, we had balloons with cold cream on it. We told them, this was decayed uh, monster uh, skulls, and don't worry, they're already dead. And at the end, we had uh, shag carpet with the... the long stuff aren't just junk stuff we staple it all around we tell them we've got to crawl out through the mummy's stomach and i tell you i don't know who had more fun the kids or us adults but uh we had You talk about it i'm pretty sure it was you because you sound awesome (laughs) 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 love it i enjoyed it but uh i got i got a little tip uh for people who have the ants and bugs, uh, bad critters in the yard, and you don't want to use chemicals, try vinegar. You can buy four gallons of vinegar for what you'd pay for one of those uh, uh, high-pollutant chemicals and stuff, Mm -hmm. and I just spread the the pile open and pour the the vinegar in, and they're gone, pecan. They're, (laughs) They're not there anymore. (laughs) <laughs> but I enjoy this, and I hope they have a full house, because we need it. Thank you, Nicole. Thank and you. Staff.
1: All right, Kathleen, good to hear from you. Shag carpet. Boy, it's been a while since I've thought about that. I remember you had that rake that you had to do to, to uh, clean that. So Yeah,
2: that could be a little scary, actually. You're, <laughs> she's right.
3: The yeah. 70s were a little, yeah. I'm having a flashback to my youth for sure, and uh, something, an incident with a vacuum cleaner, but it went down. <laughs> That's good.
1: Um, So, Nicole, you mentioned Wild Weather, an exhibit that's uh, at the museum through the end of the year. Is that correct?
3: Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Like, it has been way too much fun. It's super interactive. It takes up all of our traveling uh, exhibit hall space. Exhibit hall in the atrium. Part of it's upstairs, too. Like, it's, it's so much of it to see and do. There's, like two different tornado stations where you can kind of alter the uh, the wind patterns and the flow patterns. You can even make splinter tornadoes with that. That's so neat. There's a lightning station where you can kind of increase the frequency of the lightning uh, and, and show kind of how it really works. Um, my favorite part is the snow exhibit because you can set the temperature, the wind speed, and... Um, And a couple of other factors and when you hit start it has this enormous screen that shows you what the snowfall would look like Mm -hmm. and i love that just by playing with it it shows you what temperature does to the size of your snowflake it shows you what wind can do to the effect of a storm and i think that's just really engaging and kids seem to love that thing like we've had it for a while it'll be here till the end of the year But it's definitely something you don't want to miss. It's very interactive, and it's just such a cool, just such a very cool exhibit.
1: Um, Also, a photography exhibit at the museum?
3: Right. So uh, Wesley Shoup, he comes, visits the museum regularly. We kind of love him, and he is quite a competent photographer. He has uh, visited the museum through the seasons, and he has photographed wildlife through all of the seasons, and this little exhibit is but a fraction of what he has documented life in the park and I love that it's completely local this is your backyard this is here for you to see sometimes people say oh well I've been to the museum before I'm like did you come in spring was it different in spring than it is in the summer when did you come in the fall? Because I mean, it's so different through the seasons, and I love the birders who come out and they and they see. Oh, I saw that ruby crown kinglet, or I saw like that nesting pair of you know cardinals, whatever it is they see. They love to share with us, and I I love that. Here is the nature in your backyard. You don't have to go for like a great safari somewhere in another continent. It's right here for you to see. And it's such a beautiful thing, and the quality. And let's say you're not feeling getting on the trail, but you want to see the his photographs. Totally worth it. You definitely want to see Mr. Sheeps photos.
1: All right, now remind us maybe a couple of your favorite uh, kind of permanent things at the museum. Oh.
3: How much time you got? Uh, so, <laughs> I am a fossil nerd from way back. So, like, my favorite things uh, really are about the fossils. So, we have the state fossil of Mississippi on display, and not a lot of people know, but we have a state fossil, and it's uh, Zygorizakoshi. It's this incredible prehistoric whale. Uh, but when you first look at it, kids are kind of like, is it a dolphin? What is it? Like, they're not sure. Because he's kind of small, but he's bigger than a dolphin. They're they're still trying to figure him out. And so I love the fossils because when you walk into the lower level, you start with the fossils, and you can't go into your present or your future without understanding your past. So it makes complete sense to me that it really begins in the fossil wall area. You know, you look outside – and see what trees are growing here. Those trees grow because that soil was created, you know, from our, from our past. You see bamboo in places where it's silicious soil. You get silicious soil because there was, you know, an, a, an ocean environment in a place. It kind of informs the whole landscape. And that kind of gives the pathway for how you understand the exhibits in the whole museum. I think it's a beautiful thing.
1: And I love the uh, the nature trails. We mentioned those a couple of times, but that's something that, uh, provided it's not too, too cold, that's uh, a lot of fun.
3: Just put on a sweater. <laughs> t- t- toughen up, Kevin. Come on. Let's go. Get your boots on. Let's get it.
1: <laughs> All right. So we got about a minute left. If you would, remind us about details about the upcoming Park After Dark.
3: Right. Park After Dark is this Friday. You can buy tickets through the Children's Museum's website. Uh, it will start at 530. And we have a lot to see between both buildings. Please um, get your ticket online and know that you can walk between both places. And if you need a little bus, there will be a little shuttle bus as well. And it's going to be a lovely evening, so I hope we see you there.
1: All right. You know, I've been impressed that uh, very recently here we've gotten a lot of pictures of folks uh, seeing things out and about and have uh, sent us pictures in, so we really love that. If you ever see a creature or something that you're confused about, don't know what it is, and think that we might be able to help, uh, try to. and you have a smartphone, just go ahead, grab a picture of it, and send it to us, and we'll get our team of experts working on it to let you know what that is. So uh, email us anytime at animals at mpbonline.org. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, funding provided in part by listeners like you. And we appreciate everyone who made contributions during our fall fundraiser, Drive Time, last week. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener this morning was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Nicole Smith, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's AutoCorrect. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.